Good morning, church. I'll be reading out of John 4, verses 43 to 54, and it can be found on page 1057 of the Pew Bible. After the... After the two days had he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Canaan in Galilee, where he had made water wine, and at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judah to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at a point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them what hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all the household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that uh, we, like this man, would not miss you, that we would uh, see you in things and uh, start to uh, strengthen our belief or believe for the first time if we are in a state of not believing. So, Father, I just pray that you'd just uh, open our eyes and ears to the message and uh, open our hearts as well. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Dave. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you all as we spent a week or so in the land of $5 gas. We're glad to be back to winter. Thank you, Eric, for covering last week and preaching God's word. Um, before we jump into the text this morning, I just wanted to remind you of a few things going on. Next Sunday uh, is the last Sunday the, the entire Walden family will be with us. Uh, and so after our service, our brothers and sisters from East Randolph are going to come down uh, and join us as we have a meal together, uh, as we give Tyler and that family a charge. Uh, we pray for them. We encourage them. They have loved us so well uh, over the years. We want to love them uh, in return as we uh, send them away. Uh, so please join us. Uh, we've asked East Randolph to bring a sweet dish to share. Uh, and so we as Cornerstone, if we could bring a savory or lunch item dish to share, that would be uh, much appreciated. Uh, and as we also are uh, seeing some transition, as some college kids are going to be going uh, back home or graduating soon, we do have some areas of service that we would love some help with. Uh, we have some needs in the back with the soundboard and video booth. It's very simple, uh, but we would love to get some help if you are 
willing to join in on that. Uh, we also have needs with the kids ministry, especially on uh, Wednesday evening. So if you want to join in on any of those things, uh, even serving the young adults as they gather this evening or the youth group that we've started up, we would love to help connect you in an area of service that would be uh, useful to you and beneficial to the body. Uh, and so as Dave read, we're going to be in John chapter 4. We finished the chapter this morning uh, where Jesus has his final hard conversation in his series of three. We saw Jesus first engage with the Jewish leader, with Nicodemus. We saw him then engage with the Samaritan woman uh, as he was traveling up to Galilee. And this morning we will see him interact with a Gentile. And we'll see Jesus as we come to Jesus, that we can go to Jesus, that we can make requests of him. But as Dave prayed, let's not miss Jesus in our requests, himself as we are speaking to him and the life that he provides by believing in him. So will you pray with me as we look at the text? Father, we thank you that we get to be with you and with your people this morning. God, would you open our eyes? Would you unstop our ears? Would you give us a heart to hear your voice that we would see you and the grace that you provide through your son? God, help us to worship you this morning and give you the honor that you are due. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I thought we would take the last paragraph of the passage from last week to remind us of the context that we are in as Jesus is continuing in this journey. So look at me again, look with me again at verses 43 to 45. It says, after the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at that feast, for they too had gone to the feast. And so after two days, Jesus had left Galilee, resuming his trip, moving from Judea all the way up to the north into Galilee, going through Samaria. And Jesus had testified that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. And the idea of a prophet not being welcomed in his own hometown finds its root in our theme that we've seen over the last few weeks, the theme of unbelief. Nicodemus discussing life, he did not believe the words and the things that Jesus did and said. He needed to be instructed on what it means to be born again. The Samaritan woman, she didn't understand as well. She didn't believe, and she needed to be instructed on what it means to truly worship. In natural circumstances of thirst, Jesus talked to her about worship. And this idea of not being welcomed by a prophet finds its roots in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 6, it hints at this idea. Jeremiah says, for even your brothers and the house of your father, even, the, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you. Do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. So our family, like I said, we just came back from California and we were welcome. We were given hugs, we were loved on. I preached at our old church last Sunday, but my words were not the words of Jesus. I didn't ruffle too many feathers. I just opened up God's word and said, this is what God's word said. 
But Jesus, he confronts our idols. And people, we don't tend to like that, do we? He was from a small town and everybody knew him and would have known what he said and what he did and how he wanted to confront the things that we don't believe. And they didn't like that message in Galilee. And so these folks, they lived in darkness. And Jesus came as truth and brought things to life. We see Jesus' words to Nicodemus as he started these three heart conversations in John chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus says this to Nicodemus, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so Jesus, he moves on from this gathering and this time in Samaria to go to Galilee. And this Galilean welcoming party wasn't seeking personal holiness. They weren't seeking their own salvation. They were seeking personal gain. And maybe at minimum, they were just curious who Jesus was and what he was all about. And so he goes to a town where he is well known the town of his first miracle in Canaan. We'll pick it back up in verse 46. So he came into, again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water to wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal this son, for he was at the point of death. And so in Cana, Jesus had shown his amazing, the amazing newness and the greatness of the new covenant in turning the water to wine that comes through salvation through him alone. And in the neighboring town, Capernaum is about 15 miles away. News had traveled to this official and someone, this official, he wanted to benefit from the things that Jesus could do. It's kind of like things around here where, where news travels fast, right? Town meeting day is coming. We're not going to the town meetings, but if something significant happened in, say, the town of Barnard, the Lewises, or maybe the Stewarts would tell us on Wednesday night, did you hear what happened? Or if someone won the lottery around here, news would travel fast, and we would know who it was who had won. News travels fast in small towns. And news travels fast to this official. And this official was a centurion, probably a man who was in the service of King Herod. This official was a Gentile. And a quick side note before we move on after setting the stage of this is I think Jesus does a good job of setting a good example for us. And we as your elders, we as deacons, we want to set good examples for you as a church. We ask you to be here on a Sunday. Your elders and deacons should be here on a Sunday. We ask you to be generous or to serve. Your elders and deacons, they should be generous. They should be serving. We ask you to read your Bible. Your elders and deacons should be reading their Bibles. In Acts 1.8, after Jesus rose, he gave this charge to the church. He says that you will be my witnesses or when, the, when you receive power, sorry, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Friends, Jesus bore witness first. He first started with the story of Nicodemus in Judea, and he moved into Samaria and bore witness to the woman at the well. And now he's bearing witness to a Gentile, someone from the ends of the earth. Jesus sets a good example before he actually charges the church to do likewise. And so back to John chapter 4. John reminds us that the Messiah who supersedes the Old Testament law and the rites of purification, he ushers in a new banquet that he will continue in his work. We learn about a boy in verse 47 and he, as John says, is near to death. There's many parents in this room and what parent would not do anything that they could do to make sure that their son was healed. This official is a good father. And we've seen that natural conversations, natural circumstances in life lead to real conversations with Jesus that penetrate our hearts. Nicodemus, he talked about birth. The Samaritan woman, she talked about marriage. And today we talk about death. The official talks to Jesus about his death, this death of his son, and the sickness that's going to bring about his death. And this father is desperate. The language here in the text is that he repeatedly, over and over again, begging Jesus to come and heal his son. And so, friends, we can go to Jesus. We can make requests. But don't miss Jesus himself and the life that he provides through believing in him as we are making those requests. Let's see what happens as we continue in verse 48. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. Like the woman at the well, she wanted this magical water that she wouldn't have to return to the well over and over again to get this water to quench her thirst. This official, he wants this magical healing power that Jesus provides. This official, he asked about healing. He didn't ask about faith, but Jesus wanted to talk to him about belief. This official doesn't want Jesus, but Jesus knows what this man needs. He needs faith in Jesus, in the Son for eternal life. And the quick conversation comes about, and Jesus does heal the boy anyway. John the Evangelist, he wrote this down so that we might believe as well, as we've highlighted each week that we might believe. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so Jesus, confronted by this official, he welcomes the official in. He listens to this official's pleas, but he also teaches him. He heals the boy so that by believing, this man may have life in Jesus' name. Jesus is capable of healing. This man knows it, 
But this, Jesus knows that this man needs more than just the healing of his son. It's not just about this particular official, this particular man. As the text shifts, it says, you wouldn't believe. And the text shifts to you being in the plural. Just like with the Samaritan woman, if you recall from a few weeks ago, Jesus confronted the Samaritan system of belief saying that you worship on this mountain, not Jerusalem. Jesus confronted the Samaritan system of belief and now he confronts the Gentile system of belief and he's not just talking to this official, he's talking to all of the Gentiles who would eventually be reading this story and this account. It's not about this one man. It's about the Gentiles, but it's also about us who are reading this gospel. And Jesus' words are intended to challenge the official, but also to us. Even things important like a father desiring his son to be healed. Jesus touches the desperation that all people have. And Jesus wants to talk about our beliefs, like he wanted to talk to the Samaritan woman about worship. But like Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, this plea by the official, it's very shallow. It doesn't go and penetrate the heart. But Jesus wants to penetrate the heart. He wants to go deeper. Jesus wanted to talk about belief with this official. He just wanted Jesus to come and visit and heal his son. The text says that this official responded with, Sir, please come. And this, sir, this word, sir, in the Greek is the same word that your Bibles will say as Lord or Master. This centurion, he realizes that Jesus has authority, that Jesus can perform this miracle. They are in Cana, remember? This official has heard of the things that Jesus had done in changing water to wine, and so this official thinks that he can change this sickness and death to life. But this healing, friends, is only temporal that Jesus could even provide. This boy would eventually die. This official isn't interested in Christology. He's not interested in Jesus fulfilling prophecy. He isn't interested in the teaching that Jesus has. He's not interested in what ultimately matters. He wants his son healed, and he is continuing to beg and to beg and to beg. Do you see the desperation? But do you also see the blindness to who he's speaking to? The word become flesh right in front of him. But it's his urgent pleas, it's his continual begging that Jesus responds to. And he heals the son. Jesus responds abruptly, go. He doesn't say, fine, stop bothering me. He just says, go, your son will live. And Jesus meets this man's unbelief with the healing of his son. And after Jesus' word, John the evangelist, he says, the official does believe. And this, friends, is another example, as we've seen in the Gospel of John, of grace upon grace. In our unbelief, Jesus has more grace for us. And grace is just simply defined as unmerited favor, good things that we receive when we deserve far worse. It's grace when you get pulled over by uh, Vermont State Police because you were speeding and he doesn't give you the speeding ticket. 
It's grace when your boss threatens you to fire you because you make this continual mistake and he doesn't fire you. It's grace when you tell your children that they're gonna have a consequence if they continue to act this certain way and you don't give them a consequence. It's also grace to be corrected. It's also grace to be rebuked. It's also grace to be taught according to God's word. Friends, we need our thinking to be shifted, to be aligned with what we see in the scripture. And it's not a loving to allow others to continue in sin, to continue in living in darkness, to continue in living in incorrect belief. Paul says in Romans that the wages of sin is death and to allow people to continue in their sin is not loving. And so we give grace by opening up God's word and sharing it with them. And so friends, whenever we open up God's word here, whenever we try to explain what it says to apply it to our lives, it's the grace of God, even in the fallible words that whoever is preaching is up here is saying. We want to help each other to continue to avoid the paths of darkness. But it's also grace to avoid the paths of darkness, but to direct each other towards the light. Grace is undeserved favor, and we should be grateful for the favor that we've received and entrusted with God's word. And so Jesus' words of grace to this father is, go, your son is healed and he will live. Jesus isn't limited spatially. He is not physically present with the boy, although the boy is healed. Jesus isn't cognitively limited. He doesn't know where the boy is, or he does, but he's not physically there looking at the boy and the boy's circumstances. He isn't limited by his grace either, like you or me. He is more grace for this official. He has more patience with this official. If it was me, I would have been, can you just leave me alone? I've told you that he is healed. Go or stop bothering me with your questioning. I want to talk to you about belief. But he acted in grace to heal the boy when it wasn't deserved. And so it's a grace of God to step into our world, to act on our behalf. And this sickness that the boy was natural, it's a natural consequence of the fall to deal with sickness, to ultimately, like all of us in this room, we will eventually pass away. Even death is a natural consequence of the fall. And Jesus didn't want to just heal the boy of sickness. He wanted to heal the boy, his father, and the entire world of our sin. And so Jesus tells the father to go. And Jesus' words are powerful. It's like the words that God used in creation, let there be light and there was light. Let there be animals and there were animals. Go, he is healed. And this was no prophecy that one day your son will be healed. It is your son is currently healed. So go. And the man believed. The man put his faith in Jesus' words. He acted in light of that belief. And it was a faith-seeking understanding. 
He wasn't there to see his son being healed. He couldn't go onto social media and see, oh, someone had posted in Capernaum that this boy had been brought from death to life. He couldn't FaceTime his spouse and say, let me see him with my own eyes. He had faith and he believed even when he couldn't see it. The author of Hebrews talks about faith as this in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith, the same word, root, that belief has, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And this official, he believed the words of Jesus. He believed the words that came out of Jesus' mouth. And the man, he went away believing, unlike the Galileans. The ones who came to Jesus seeking a healer by his reputation, he trusts in Jesus' words without seeing the miracle, without wavering, without being able to validate the sign that his son would actually be restored. He had to walk back 15 miles, which is about a full day to get back. So how many of you would believe me if I said after service you would have a $200 gas card under your mat at your front house or in your front door? probably only get you two gallons of gas these days, but you probably would not believe me. Even if I was capable of getting $6,000 and putting it in about 30 homes, getting to your house, putting it under the mat, you probably wouldn't believe me until you saw it with your own eyes, right? I have limitations. I have limited finances. I have limited omnipresence. I have limited power to go to all of your homes. We understand limitations, don't we? Friends, Jesus has no limitations. I'm not saying you're going to have $200 under your porch when you get home, but I'm saying that Jesus has no limitations. And Jesus desires to use his mighty power and divine grace for you. What we need more is not a $200 gift card. We need eternal life. We need eternal life, and Jesus has the power to give that life to us. Like I said already, this boy is not living today. He eventually would die, even in his healing, even coming back from death. And I understand that we have needs and desires even in this room today. And we can ask Jesus to meet those needs. But let's not miss out on Jesus in the process of asking for him to meet those needs. And so do you, de- acknowledge, or do you desire acknowledgement? Do you just want to be noticed? You don't want to be ignored anymore. Well, friend, you were created in God's image with dignity and value and worth. Your worth is not in others acknowledging you, but in Jesus who acknowledges you, even in your sin, to die in your place on the cross for that sin. Acknowledgement on this earth is great, but acknowledgement before the God of the universe who welcomes you into his family by forgiving you of your sin is much better. Do you want health like this father wanted for his son. I don't want to be sick anymore. As a result of the fall, living in this world is terrible at times, and sickness is a result of that. Like this boy, you may be healed from your sickness, but you will eventually, like this boy, 
not be here on this earth. You will die. What we need healing from most is not the sickness that's external, but the sickness that's in our heart, the sickness that comes from sin. And John 3, Jesus taught us that we are all condemned without being born again. And we will meet our final condemnation unless we believe in the person and work of Jesus. Friends, we all need eternal life. Maybe you desire the salvation of your children and it's troubling for you. Maybe they've wandered off or maybe they haven't followed yet. That's one of my greatest desires is for my children, for your children, for all of us to believe. But in the process of praying for your children, in the process of sharing the gospel with your children, don't forget to believe the gospel yourself, to experience and know Jesus personally yourself and sharing with others. The good news is God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we get to introduce people to Jesus. And Jesus gives life to those whom he unstops ears, who he opens eyes, and he softens heart to respond and believe the gospel. Friends, our job is to just sow seeds. God's role is to bring about fruit. So go to Jesus. Make your requests. But don't just miss Jesus himself and the life that he provides in believing in him while you're making your requests. Let's not miss Jesus in our words. He's right here displayed in the text and shared with us in God's word. Let's see what happens again with the father when he goes home. We'll pick it back up in verse 51. Speaking of the official, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that the son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seven hour, the fever left him. The father knew that they, that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. And this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he came from Judea to Galilee. So I wish I had come home and someone was ready to plow my driveway on Friday, but unfortunately that was not the miracle that I received. This father didn't have to get all the way home and someone came to him to tell him what had taken place. This guy was an important person. He was an official and so somebody was probably looking for a promotion and he said, I'll go tell him what had taken place. And this man, he asked his servant when it happened so that he could see if it was the hour. And it was the hour that Jesus had said what, when it would happen. And after a bit of the inquiry, the official realized that it was the exact time, the exact time that Jesus had said, and the official believed. But it, the text also says that his entire household had believed as well. And the official, he truly begins to live himself by believing in the gospel. The good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so sometimes we think that things are beyond our control, but also beyond God's control, don't we? Maybe it's your health, like I mentioned. Maybe it's your relationships, your extended family. Maybe your coworkers. Maybe it's a deep hole that you're in. One maybe you dug, or one you feel like you've been thrown into by circumstances beyond your control. 
Maybe it's the world around us. I know I've caught myself asking the question, does God really care about the craziness happening? The sickness, the hate, or even this war that's starting in Ukraine? Friends, our circumstances are not beyond the awareness of God. He knows. Jesus wasn't with the boy, but he healed him. Jesus didn't touch the boy. It's not beyond God's reach. It's not beyond God's power either. In a word, God, Jesus, can heal. He can make a storm stop. He can create something out of nothing. He can say, let there be light, and there was light. He can stop a war. He can end a pandemic. He can heal a broken relationship, or he can even heal your body. And God does and can answer prayer. Sometimes our prayers and our requests, though, they often feel like they're unanswered but they don't go unheard. Sometimes they're unanswered and we don't get the answer we desire though. Maybe because we've not asked for them properly in accordance with God's revealed word in scripture. Jesus says this in John chapter 16, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. But God won't allow us to have our idols. Remember the woman at the well. God wants to crush our idols and so we can be more satisfied and most satisfied in Christ alone. We're to worship God alone. God won't allow us to get our sin if we want and we ask him of those things. That's what's asking things in accordance with God's name because his name is just as um, reliable as his word. And so what we see in his word is based on God's name. Maybe our prayers go unanswered or get rejected because they're for personal gain. James says this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Friends, God wants us to choose him. Not our bank accounts, not our health, not our family, not our grades, not our accolades. If we're gonna use our stuff for ourselves, which are good things, he may not give us those things as we turn them into idols or God things and we worship them and not him as the giver who gives them to us. But God is a good father and he delights to give good gifts to his children. A previous verse in James chapter four, verse two says, you have not because you ask not. And so ask your father and he may give you the desires of your heart like he gave this official the healing of his son. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 11. He says, what father among you, if he son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, my prayer for us as a church is that in our worship, in our requests, in our prayers, in our sending, in our service of God and to each other, that we would not miss God himself, Jesus. When we were in California last week, we stayed at my parents' house, and 
they would wake up every morning and they would turn on the news. We don't watch the news here. Um, we don't have cable. And everything on the news wasn't uh, good stuff. It wasn't Lassie has found little Timmy. It was war is happening. It's Canada is crazy. It's there's a little bit of dusting and snow on the road and so they closed the roads in California and it was very, very minimal. It was pretty hilarious as I took pictures of the newsman and you just could see his depression on his face and the road wasn't even fully covered. But in a world full of bad news, we have good news. Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, and now this official all wanted to stiff arm Jesus. I just want these things. They had personal needs, but Jesus, he has no qualms about our personal space. He wants to get into the conversation to have a heart conversation with us and what's truly going on inside of us. And so conversations come about, about birth, about death, about thirst, and they're all secondary to believing in Jesus, to receive eternal life and living a life that we were intended to live. Life may come with trouble. Life may come with hardship. But Jesus is God. He's good. He's the source, most importantly, of eternal life. And he would be all of those things even if he didn't heal this official's son. Friends, life comes by believing in Jesus. And so remember that. Don't miss that. Life is only in Jesus by believing in his work for you. And so go to Jesus. Make your requests. But don't miss Jesus while you're making your requests because he is the one himself who provides life by believing in him. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to come to be with your people. God, thank you for your revealed will in your word and how it speaks to us. God, I... I as even I, who open up your word, can be distracted and miss you even in the communicating of your word. I'm assuming that the same can be said of those who hear the words that you said through my mouth. And so God, as we close our time in singing and worshiping you for who you are and what you've done, God, would you help the words of our mouth, the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing in your sight. And God, we worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in spirit and in truth and give you the praise that you are due. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.